the more I dwell on this story, as I ride, drive the bus through the neighborhoods in Gilderland here, it deepens. While we were chatting, I was asking my fellow bus drivers what their favorite music was, and I found out that I seemed to be the only one who liked folk music, but that's neither here nor there. She, she then shared, I said, well, do you, do you sing in the bus? The bus driver says, no, I don't sing, but I, I, I had on holiday music, and uh, there's one student in my special needs bus that loves to sway back and forth and smile while she listens to the music. And there's one song in particular that she really loves. And, you know, she didn't mention who the vocal artist was. I think it was Maria Carey. And there's a line from one of her Christmas songs that is, All I want for Christmas is you. Well, all of the students in my fellow bus drivers, uh, special needs bus, are, are nonverbal. What we're doing now is such a gift that we all take for granted. The kids on my bus who are privileged in many ways, but they all communicate, trust me, (laughs) in one form or another. So here's a bus of nonverbal students. Up comes, all I want for Christmas is you. And this student is so comfortable and relaxed in the care of this fellow bus driver that she's swaying back and forth. I, uh, based on the way this story was told to me, I could just picture this with a big grin on her face. And when the line comes up in, in the, song, the melody, All I Want for Christmas, this nonverbal writer, I can just feel her grinning, will sing out, Is you, is you, is you. So I carried that story that was shared with me. I carried it today with me. Kathy Light is a Gilderland school bus driver, which she pursues with passion as she does the many parts of her life. She also has a divinity degree from Yale. And she also is lovingly restoring vintage campers Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. So good to meet you, Melissa. (laughs) So let's just start by hearing a little about what brought you here was this notice on your business. Just tell us what it is that you do. Well, three years ago, I decided since the company I had been working for from home, uh, and I have two homes, um, uh, closed prematurely, the owner became ill and she decided to shut the business down. I was 62 and I said, so perhaps I'll take this idea that I've been working on of um, this idea that I'd been working on of perhaps I thought to myself several years earlier, these vintage campers that I've been restoring and thinking that when I retired, perhaps people would like to rent them. Maybe they'd like them. Maybe I'll find that out now. I had been doing sales for a number of years, and I was tired of the push that's involved with sales. And I said, I am going to think about, hmm, I'd sure like to think about something that would allow me to feel retired. I still need to work. I, 
I had a huge debt still. I went to Yale for four years after my kids were, well, they were in high school and college. And I had to think about you know, paying that back. So I couldn't really retire, retire. But I thought, well, maybe I'll become a school bus driver. I miss being around children. My kids are grown. I had been an art teacher, one of my careers, the first one. Um, I'll become a school bus driver and see if anybody would like to rent them. We'll see. And I'd heard about a website called Outdoorsy that was much like the Airbnb of trailer rental sites. And it offered wonderful insurance for people like me who would rent their vehicles out. And they would find people because they were, even though they were only three years old at that point, they had, they had done their work well and were finding renters. People were going there to rent campers, usually the large mega homes mm-hmm. sort of campers. Um, not many, there weren't many vintage campers out there because mostly people who buy and restore vintage campers, it's such a labor of love, they don't really want to share them and risk you know, them being damaged. It's a, a huge amount of effort to restore them. I had always, after the first one that I'd done, thought that I might rent them out. So I wasn't that attached emotionally to each of them. And at that point, I had two and a half. So this is three years ago. I had two and a half campers done, one I was in the midst of. And I thought, become a school bus driver, that can't be that difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) And... uh, and once you've kind of learned the ropes on that, see what happens. So I worked on the third one as I worked on becoming a school bus driver. Now, let me backtrack a bit. I ramble, which means I've tried a number of different careers and stayed with them. And how I feel about careers is sort of like how I feel about relationships. They can be successful. They don't have to last forever. It doesn't mean they aren't good while they're in the process. So I've tried a lot of things, and some of them have been very difficult to achieve. I'll go back to that later. Becoming a bus driver was an incredible task. Um, I could not get over the number of tests, et cetera, et cetera. But after several months and having failed one of the tests to become a school bus driver, the real test is actually in doing the work. And um, I think it's a real challenge. But I'm still doing it. I'm enjoying myself. And I'm really glad that today happens to be the last day before I have two weeks off. And it's the first two weeks off I will have had since last Christmas. So this oh, is a big well, day for Happy Kathy. holidays to you. <laughs> yeah. And I know when we were trying to schedule the appointment, you had a look at the weather because you had to oh, see yes. if the bus routes would be changed. Right. and But let's just back way up sure. to the beginning of the your beginning. life, because what fascinating little nuggets you've dropped going to I Yale have. for four years <laughs> and wanting to be a school bus driver because you used to teach art. So where where did you grow up? Where are you from originally? Uh, it's part of the camper story, actually. Okay. I grew up in Sarnia, Ontario. Okay. I'm a Canadian citizen still. Um, family of five. Sarnia, Ontario is at... It's at a beautiful spot um, where 
the Great Lakes, in particular Lake Huron, and empties into the St. Clair River. It's part of the St. Lawrence Seaway system. So I was born right at that cusp where the river and Lake Huron Beautiful, meet. beautiful place. Beautiful spot. Yeah. And the five kids, I was there until I was 12. Uh, my father was a self-taught chemist. He worked, he, he, I don't know if he graduated from high school, but he, he worked in the chemical industry there. It was called the Chemical Valley. We were proud of chemi- chemicals back in the 50s and 60s. We were proud of it. Um, there weren't pollution controls, et cetera, et cetera. Dad worked in the plants, studied at night, and we camped a lot, the five kids. We, we went to Newfoundland to visit my mom's relatives in a pop-up camper. Now, this was the day before the days before diapers. My grandmother, who... She had gone to McGill and had an illustrious career in social services. She had lunch with the Queen, she always used to tell us, <laughs> and it was true, because uh, uh. Newfoundland was part of Britain. But, so we went, we, we went on these wonderful trips together in this pop-up ca- camper with five kids and my grandmother. And the station wagons where you sat in the back, probably very dangerous. Two kids would sit facing, and you'd always see where you'd been. Well, this is where I've been. This is a, what... My fondest memories are of Canada with those trips. That being sort of foundational as far as pleasure and memories go. And Dad, when we moved to Niagara Falls, New York, he worked for Hooker Chemical. Think Love Canal. Yes, I'm very familiar. I used to live in Buffalo. (laughs) North Tonawanda. I graduated from high school there. Went to school in Rochester. Loved Rochester as a city. I uh, got my art degree from Nazareth, got married early. I was 19, um, did volunteer work for the Y. That ended up living in a mansion that they were restoring, saved money enough at the age of 20 to buy our first house, and renovated a five-family on Girton Place near Park Avenue in Rochester, lovely neighborhood. Oh, just lovely. But... Um, my husband and I then wanted to move for him to be in business with his brother in the Albany area. So after a few years, we moved. I, I didn't like teaching art at that point. Um, I'd had my first couple years. It was difficult. Um, new things are difficult. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature mm-hmm. of the game, especially if they're meaningful. There's a lot of new learning. Um, City School District, Magnet School, one of the first magnet schools for the arts. But the first uh, year was at a a city school district where there were a lot of, um, it was very culturally diverse. There were a lot of Vietnamese boat people that were my students. and There were kids that were coming in drunk at 8 in the morning in classes. It was a real challenge. Uh, The next year, even more so, because there was a teacher's strike, one of the largest and first in New York State. Um, so, so much so that when we moved to Columbia County for my husband to start a company with his brother, I didn't want to teach again. My husband couldn't find work. A job opened up. I found out I was pregnant. There was some tension here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a lot all at once. <laughs> uh, I was talked into taking the job by the principal. He says, I think you're going to find it a little different here in rural Columbia County in Chatham than in downtown. And sure enough, it was true. 
Um, it was a good couple years. I had two children. Um, the eldest, especially, bright boy who was really needy. So I stopped teaching for a while. I even stopped working on my master's. Uh, to be home with the kids, that was a gift. Um, it was good for my kids, too. Uh, we became members of a church, partly so that they kids would have something to rebel against besides us as teenagers. <laughs> and Looking I, ahead, what church was that? <laughs> yes. It was Canaan Congregational Church, which just burned down a year and a half ago, and they just rebuilt. What a story. Um, rural Columbia County. And what a beautiful new building they have. I've just recently seen pictures of it. Um, I did design work, graphic design, because I, I had some skills as a graphic designer, and I'm an extrovert. I love meeting people. I did some sales for a paper down there, the Rojan Independent in Hillsdale at one point. Um, marriage ended sad part of my life. I went into the mental health field to work with kids. My son was really bright but had some troubles. I wanted to learn more about what I was dealing with. And I had had some troubles as well trying to deal with him and my own past. So I'm always looking for new experiences to learn. I volunteered in the mental health field, um, Mental Health Association, and things stabilized. I lived in the country. Kids were doing okay. And I wanted to go back to school. I had two choices that were offered. Leslie College for art therapy. But I had become immersed in the dialogue of theology and philosophy and was very interested in the pursuit of theological studies just from my own intellectual satisfaction, to have a chance to converse with, in fact, teachers whose books I'd been reading. And I applied to Yale Theological uh, Divinity School and was accepted. And for me, uh, it was a, a wonderful opportunity. So I went for four years. I only needed three years for a master's, but I, at that point I was a single mom and commuting from Austerlitz down to um, New Haven three times a week, people would often s- say, not often, but occasionally say, don't you feel guilty leaving your kids for How such a long were time? They, they were still in like high school. and uh, yeah. um, I said, you know, I've been working three jobs up until this point, and now I have one pursuit, and I have loans. And so I put the kids on the bus in the morning, I have my first class in Greek or Hebrew at 8.30 where all the other students are complaining at how, about how early it was in the morning and I'd just actually sometimes in practicing my Hebrew I'd by mistake end up in Hartford because I was trying to memorize on the way down. Um, I was ordained in the Manhattan area, actually across the river in New Jersey, as a Presbyterian minister two months before 9-11. It, I don't remember, remember how I keep on repeating learning new things is mm-hmm. a challenge. Mm-hmm. After two years, I was in the hospital. I was exhausted. It was draining. I needed to not do this work. There's more to it than that. 
My father had been a chemical engineer. My family had lived in the Mideast. 9-11 happened. Most of my family's friends were Iraqi. My father had passed away in Bahrain, so I have these deep ties to the Mideast. 9-11 happened. My new husband's family were all military, and they were involved in the bombing of Afghanistan. So I had all these tensions going on in the background, a mom who, whose Alzheimer's was developing, and marriage that was becoming more and more distant. And so I left the ministry and did not know what to do next. It was eight years. See, this is a rambly story. Yeah, but so many deep commitments along the along way. Along the way. That's how you should live life. You become committed and you do your best. And it it should matter what you do. And it did. But it can be exhausting to have it matter to the point where you can't maintain balance. So if you can't pull back, it's not healthy for you. I needed some rest. I went back to Columbia County for a while felt deeply for the people of Manhattan. I wanted to stand with them in some way. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, at wit's end as to what to do next. I'd spent eight years studying, seventy-five dollars or $80,000, of which most I still owe, <laughs> and a huge amount. I, I, I went because I loved the, the pursuit of wisdom. By the time I was done, I didn't want to read a thing. You couldn't read. You couldn't ever read everything that you needed to read to, to satisfy requirements there. It, it really... What was matter. it that exhausted you so? Was the, it the tending to people, the having to, the bottomless well to learn from? The you, you couldn't when you lived as a... And by the way, I have... I remember reading that after the bombing in Oklahoma, that at least half of the ministers left their roles as ministers. The helping profession in a community that's had crisis is drained beyond compare. Mm -hmm. And I think because there was no place to escape the constant need. And I had no support community of long-established relationships like so many in a town like this have, or that I had in Chatham, little town mm -hmm. of 2,000 or less. Um, so it was a combination of needing to be present to the needs of a small church that was struggling, as well as the community. I mean, leading memorial services. I uh, did a funeral, uh, a, a memorial service for a victim, a woman who passed away um, in the towers. And so there was convoluted many, many needs. Uh, Korean churches whose Korean member, pres remember I was Presbyterian, Korean Presbyterian churches, so they, lo a lot, they lost a lot of people in the Manhattan area. Churches were struggling, and they were coming to us for help as well. So um, after two years, I said, I don't want to be part of this conversation anymore. I can't be part of this conversation fully so I need to regroup. Went home for a while, did some political protest work, actually. Moved to Manhattan, started a company. Uh, Gal Friday. <laughs> Gal Friday, New York City. What do you need? What can I help with? I had no idea where we go. 
this is the rambler you're talking to. I so designed the company my was called Gal Friday New York NYC. City. NYC.com. And it was the idea It was that just me. <laughs> you would fill in where people needed where people, it? Where people, if people. And because I had a professional background, people trusted me with often intimate needs. The first job, for example, was a wealthy couple who had decided, he had decided to call off the wedding, but all the presents were sitting, (laughs) the gifts were sitting. And so my introduction to Manhattan was returning very expensive gifts to Barney's and (laughs) sets and jewelry stores and trying to negotiate that for them. So there were odd special needs which, you know, it's, I'm really thankful for you to be sitting across from me and listening because that really ties to what I'm doing right now. What happened with the campers, and by the way, uh, after a couple of years in New York, I was really glad to have that time. I loved it. I lived, I found a cheap place, beautiful building on the first floor on Riverside and 104th. So on Sunday morning in the middle of Manhattan, I'd wake up to the sound of children playing in the park. And I bicycled everywhere, lost 40 pounds, did some work for a a physical trainer who gave me free physical training lessons in return for organizing his life, which is funny. Uh, It's just funny. (laughs) Um, How is it tied to what I'm doing with campers? What happened with the campers, and by the way, after, (laughs) after New York... Um, I went back to Columbia County for a while. I was tired of going in and out of Columbia County all the time. And it hurt me to be back there because I'd been there for so long. Um, I will cry if I talk about it too much. I love the place dearly, but I couldn't stay. And I don't even want to talk about that anymore. This is, I'm going to put a wall okay. around that. All right. um, but I knew I couldn't stay. I moved to the Adirondacks to be away from it all. Where it was they, neutral. Yeah. It was neutral. I'd never been there. <laughs> wilderness. It was wilderness. So it was a little cabin. There was someone in my life for a while that prompted this move. That relationship didn't work out. It didn't matter to me. I fell in love with a little cabin. I did marketing up there. I would be talking to people in South America saying, I, I won't go into the sales. I found clients, shall we say. Okay. Um, I'd be talking to people from a little cabin on the Moose River. Uh, while in Eagle Bay or Inlet. And I also helped a lot of lodging places with their marketing up there and event planning. It was fantastic. Um, I'd be talking to somebody in South America who'd say, you know, we have Adirondack chairs down here. (laughs) I even talked to the Green Bay Packers or the Queen Mary for some projects that I was on. And uh, and I'd think, if they only knew that I was sitting in this tiny cabin... On the Moose River (laughs) while chatting. Back to the campers. What happened with the campers two seasons ago was that in getting the third one ready, um, and these campers, I went whimsical with them. I did not do classic restoration. I just had fun conceptually. 
Yeah, the names yes. are wonderful, and the little blurbs that you have on your website. It's, <laughs> I mean, you, I was surprised when I heard you say that you know you weren't personally attached to them because they sound like you have Tin Can Annie. Tin Can Annie's named after my mom. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. I have a picture of her in there hugging a tree. I call her the original tree hugger. Oh my um, gosh! And but, it just sounds the way you describe it, like having. Um, Come off the assembly line of the 1950s when we found her. She has, you know, a gender. Of course. Um, <laughs> she had just been plucked by a local dump, her skin badly damaged and in need of a complete overhaul. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like sounds you're like very me, attached <laughs> to these. But do you physically do the restoration work yourself? I have kind of a team that I've put together because I'm not a pro. I am so not a pro at this. My hat's off to the real renovationist. There's refurbishers and there's a restorer. I'm more of a refurbisher than a restorer. Um, And you can imagine what the difference might be. I I get them to a point where they're perfectly safe and comfortable for people to use. But I don't restore them to look like what they did when they came off the assembly line. And that's why I wasn't sure if people would even like them. The first one is actually a new, it's hardly even called vintage, uh, tr- a true vintage um, camper, according to the classicists yeah, <laughs> of this right. world, is nothing newer than like 1970 maybe. So the first one was an 81, and I hadn't had this dream. I was 60, I had just bought my first truck. It was a red, of course, and to go get it. It had no air conditioning. It was in a hauler in Ohio that I put some money down on over the Internet and did the classic mistake of restorers, which is assume that when people tell you that it's in good shape, that they know what they're talking about and they're telling you the truth. Because the first one that I went down for myself, not to rent out, um, was a cute little 1983 Scotty. The Scotties are, they were not all that well made. There were a lot of them, but they have a passionate following. People love Scotties. So I went down, walked in. It was, I used the GPS mapping service. It took me this convoluted route. I had to be there by dawn. It was at the edge of a hauler on the Ohio. You see, part of my rambling nature needs these adventures. Even finding them is so rewarding. Yeah. It is. There's a woman, I think, who had used it with her grandson, but she was ill. She needed to sell it. It was on the edge, uh, the end of a true hauler. I, I actually had done marketing since in the Blue Ridge Mountains for a TV show out of Canada. I told you I've had a bizarre <laughs> life. At 60, I had to learn how to ride ATVs in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I went to this after and I thought, if my friends could see me now, <laughs> you know. So it was my first hauler experience, and uh, there it was. I walked in, took a deep breath, and went, oh, mold. Mold is the enemy. Mold is the enemy of uh, campers. It's why I don't let people use water in the campers. I don't, I don't have water facilities. I don't have bathrooms that function in them. You can have a porta potty, and I've got a tent <laughs> that you can use outside. But most because mold infiltrates the whole yes, the whole system. Moisture okay. is is the enemy, and so this one was really moldy. I said, you know, 
If I took my finger and poked it right here, do you know it's going to go right through the roof? You know it's going to go right through the roof. Watch. And she says, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, oh. right. I said, I can't pay you the full amount that you asked. I had just driven down, and there was, it was the middle of summer. I brought my dog. There's no air conditioning. It was so hot, and I was so disappointed. I thought, oh, boy, I'm so glad I got this old truck. So... She negotiated. She said, you know, there was a bunch of Harley people who were just here who were willing to pay me full price. And I said, let's talk. Because <laughs> it was a long drive. So I pulled it home. Oh, oh, and the roof leaked, it turns out. And it was going to rain. Right. So it was going to make it worse. So I had to get home in a hurry. And I got lost. And I ended up in Cleveland or someplace with the dog and his 95 and getting hotter and the storm clouds are on the horizon. Now, all, this is all part of what it's like if you fall in love with vintage campers. You, you're going to have to get there in a hurry. They're very popular. You're going to probably have to ask, offer more than really they're worth. But I have a lot of friends that find them for a steal. Uh, so that was the first one. I found somebody uh, in... This is going on too long. No, found, but so I, what happened to that? Is that one of your... That was the first. It was Beam Me Up Scotty. I decided oh, to make it a fifth. Oh, Beam Me Up yep. Scotty. Yes. Beam Me Up Scotty. So got a little... It was going to go a mid-century theme. Yes. It was just for me. When I was done it, I hired somebody in Caroga Lake who was a wonderful woodworker. It turns out he, he can't read and he, he doesn't know campers. I'd never, I haven't met an adult in a long time who couldn't read. They're out there, you know? Yeah. And I hadn't, but what a gifted carpenter. And so he helped me restore Well, that. yeah, and the picture looks beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, it's and I take it your art training is part of how these oh, got to be this so fills cleverly so many decorated. of my needs. <laughs> Unfortunately, it so far hasn't proven lucrative. I haven't paid off the Yale loan yet. But it will, because last year was a wonderful year that convinced me that I should continue. Now, there's been challenges, of course, and there still is a lot of looming challenges. Um, After the first one, I had to do another one right away, and I didn't have a reason for doing another one, because I found out that my now partner of 12 years, and we bought a cabin in Kuroga Lake together six years ago that we refinished together. Cabin was done. I had this camper. I said, let's go camping. Oh, I didn't tell you, but I really don't like camping. He said, oh, you're kidding. Not what I'm going to do, because I really want to do another one. This is so much fun. This is so much fun. This is so much fun. I'd never done anything that was purely such pleasure. So tell us what the pleasure, pleasure comes from. Is it restoring, yes. taking from the dump no, heap something? No, it goes is back it? to... That job in New York, Gal Friday NYC, where I said there were special needs and I could help people with them. Well, in this case, what I found out very quick, very quickly was that people wanted them for something special most of the time, not just camping. Like a special occasion. A special occasion. And because I insisted on delivering them, not only because I have this sense of adventure and I love the state parks and I'd fallen in love with history in the Adirondacks. My family had, my dad had dragged us through all these historical museums as kids and I wasn't fond of history. Moved to the Adirondacks. That will change. Yeah. That will change for you. So what about, what, what, it, what it's about is that 
I deliver them, and by the time that I deliver them, and certainly after I met the people, I was engaged in their need, their pleasure, or the pain that prompted them to want to get away, and the fact that I delivered it, get away, you know, and, and mm -hmm. the pain could could be a number of things. It could be having just decided that this gorgeous upstate city, Saratoga, let's say, did not prove to be as welcoming a place for that, their family, and they were in the transition of moving, and they needed to find a place for two weeks to camp that would make their son feel excited, happy. So in that case... So you're using your marketing skills, yes. your art <laughs> skills, your <laughs> ministry, ministry skills. skills. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, from there, if you go to my website, I just, I poured over it the past two months because I wanted to share the sense of the history of how it's going to let people know that anything almost is possible, really, if it almost. Um, so weddings, I'm... All of them were, have been rented for weddings, country weddings, because there's not a lot of lodging in Cherry Valley for country weddings. And Woodstock, uh, it was a very, it's, I felt hip for the first time <laughs> in my life. I grew up in the 60s. I missed being hip there. I was not hip at all, ever. In Canada, I tell my kids this on the school bus. I said, if you're not hip when you're a kid, you know what you're called? You're called an L7, and they're going, my kids on the bus go, what is an L7? What is an L7? An L7, and I've seen it in some <laughs> reproduction films from that period. Here's the letter L. Right. You make it with your left hand, in fact, okay. the letter L. Then you take your right hand, and you shape it into a 7. Oh, and when you put an so L and a 7 together, you're a square. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. I bet the kids love yeah. that. <laughs> so Woodstock, I show up for this party, and um, it's a couple from Brooklyn. <laughs> they were attending a mini Burning Man festival, a Burning Man festival I'm not even going to describe to you except that this involves nudity and pools. <laughs> and uh, you'll see on the highlights page from 2019 this giant fiberglass 12-foot-high frog that the DJ was, he was hosting from, and its eyes would swirl. And I was told that the symbolism of this South African frog is because that in or South American frog, is that when you lick them, it gave you psychedelic experience. This was all part of me being hip now. I learned a lot here. Um, so special occasions. And sometimes they're so poignant. Uh, uh, I had them at the Fonda Fair last year. People remembered me. My email list got wet, so I couldn't email all my potential customers back. A woman called me from the fair. She was in her 60s, and she says, my mom's 95. My family's going to go camping in the Adirondacks. I want to give my mom, who's crabby a lot these days, new memories, something new for us to talk about. Is that not sweet? That's, That's so really sweet. sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah. So sure enough, the slumberjack, which oh, is very... Oh, and I love yeah. that. It's all got um, yeah. the red and black plaid along the edge and the silhouettes of the deer and the pine yeah, trees. It's pure Adirondack. Um, and designing these things is so much fun, and they're filled with uh, crafts from local artists in the Adirondacks. And I'm doing that with the 
The latest one is called the Beeliner, and here I met down at Gade Farm someone who had, they set up all these uh, bears and honey pots and so on, and when I stopped in with my camper called the Bumble Bear, I met someone who's a honey producer, and I hope that we can work out that I can make her honey available to renters. You see what I'm saying? I do. She so. lives on Randall Road. I think I know yeah. who it is. So it's so sweet. So um, you're you're kind of entering other people's lives in this very unusual way. Odd way. And I know you mentioned either in an email or maybe I read it in your site that you even had a call from Drew Barrymore. <laughs> no. I, I, I Let me put it officially this way, because I haven't put her name on my okay. website. And I was just told, she. I, I got a call last spring. I was just going to stay with three campers, because my first year's investment financially was substantial. And I just wanted to spend last season with three campers. Just three. Limit yourself. You've had a lot of fun. Now go pay off your debt. Then I get this call from an agent from California. In fact, she left several messages and emails. When I finally connected with her briefly, because we're coming, I'm sure we're over a half hour here. We chatted. She needed one of my campers for her client, who's an actress who's doing a movie in Manhattan. In two days, she wanted it. This was March. And which ones could, you, could they have? And I was, of course, excited. She kept on talking, and I'm like, I don't know. This doesn't sound like it would be a good match. Making sure it's a good match for somebody is important. These have their limitations. They aren't big rigs mm-hmm. with, um, you know, uh, high-definition televisions in them. They don't even, I don't even let them use the gas propane stoves in them. I provide outdoor cooking for everyone. She kept on talking in the abstract about her client. I said, "Client, I said, couldn't you at least give me her first name so that we can converse normally?" She says, "It's Drew," and I'm like, "Drew." <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't think she really wanted me to broadcast. <laughs> All, right. Now, All right, which is why. Well, but I was so excited, and I told her I'd put her on my email list. Well, the first email is going out now. This was last. I don't know when, last year now. I'm forgetting, I'm rambling too much. I was so excited. It was another affirmation that I felt like I was on the right track. I had had two campers that I was going to put off and do next year. But I was so excited. Last year, I did three more campers while renting and delivering. And you're also hoping to be able to have the three Adirondack parks able to have people there. You're talking about the biggest challenge now for me. I did not know that you needed to apply for a vendor's permit to deliver to the state parks in the Forest Preserve. The Department of Environmental Conservation... Uh, manages most of the Adirondack state campgrounds, whereas ones outside of the Adirondacks, like the local one here, which is um, nearby. Thompson's Thompson, Lake. Yeah, that's not a DEC-managed one. So I said, well, what does it take to, you know, become a vendor? Ho, ho, ho. Remember I told you becoming a bus driver was hard. <laughs> Becoming an ordained minister was hard. Graduating from Yale was hard. Starting a business was hard. Um, It's not going to be easy. 
And so I met with the head of the DEC three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Spent two hours with him. He's from, he worked in Hooker Chemical, believe it or not. Do you believe this? So we got like Connections, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I'm negotiating that now. The cost is exorbitant. It, not all of my business is in the state parks, but I adore them. Yeah, they're great. I've I've traveled by myself. I took a cross country trip once recently and stayed in the national parks. Well, our state parks are the best things that we've done in New York. And the Adirondack Park is well, the Catskills too, which I have a lot to learn. And your town, the, the hill towns here, I hardly know. I've been driving through them with campers to Gray Fox. I do a lot of the music festivals and so on. I'm going, wow, Knox, <laughs> what's this fort here in, in Schoharie? I haven't, I have no, no the knowledge. The Stone Fort, yeah, there's a lot. There's such beauty. Well, we are at the end yeah. of our conversation, but I just feel like there's so many threads that um, we didn't get to follow. Do you have any concluding thoughts for people? Um, you know, I had reached out to you asking, actually, to one of your sales people asking if you would accept a press release because I want people locally to know that this is available, that they can rent these campers from me for whatever special occasion. I set them up in people's yards. I um, So in conclusion... Check out my website. <laughs> Give me a call. Uh, I'm the one driving a school bus through your neighborhoods and smiling a lot because in the morning around here right now, it's like a courier and Ives photograph when it the dawn. It is beautiful. Yeah. Well, so just off the concluding thought, we never got to talk about the school bus driving or the five springles, four oh, springers spaniels, but <laughs> you're enjoying that? That was quite a leap from your other careers, the driving of the school bus? <sighs> I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, my last year, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, too much responsibility, too it's, much... Uh, I think it's a very challenging job. I, I meant to bring, and I probably have them in my pocket. No. This is the Gilderland Schools. It's the Gilderland Schools. Here's the challenge. And it's it, this is not a new challenge for any school bus driver, but certainly here. And I think this is common knowledge, but to experience it is, is different than to hear about it. So you're going to hear about this and go, so what? That's part of the job try it i say because imagine driving down like last year for example i'm taking the daycare kids um to their daycares from a little elementary school locally and i'm driving in rush hour traffic a lot down western avenue with uh last year i had from 40 to 60 elementary school kids at some days started off with 66 believe it or not and one bright little second grader decides he's going to take the kite that he made in the morning class out of his lunch bag material and see if he could fly it out the back of the bus, the window, okay, in rush hour traffic. Now, distracted driving is the number one cause of accidents. You've got 66 kids, no aid. Or let's say you've got 20 kids. And, and the, like this week, some of my, I have got, Wonderful kids, by the way. Uh, but they decided they'd have a little rubber uh, eraser war with erasers. That's very distracting. Yeah. So the, the hard part for me is focusing while still 
kindly, firmly being in control of both the bus, the people that go by your flashers all the time on Western Avenue, that go by your reds. And so uh, for all of us there, it's the challenge of just getting your kids safely from point A to point B, and you don't become good at this overnight. I knew right from the get-go that after all the tests, and I, they have a great instructor there, but drivers start at 14 or $15 an hour, and that little scenario that I just sort of tried to lay out for you is not atypical, which is, it's a challenge. And you're not good, I don't think, personal opinion here, you're not a good bus driver until you've done this for five years. So yeah, it's hard work. And hats off to all of them. Hats off. Well, hats off to you. (laughs) (laughs) With that, we'll conclude, and I wish you many happy rambles. (laughs) Thank you very much.